in this episode. It's like the movie Blade. It was, it was a Blade 2, where they it was just just a little too early for the CG. Mm-hmm. And so it ended up looking like, you know, Gumby. And so, <laughs> you know, and you're like... You're listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast, Episode 21, Part 1, with Todd Kiesling, publishing video games and bad CGI. Hello, I'm Jeremiah Bannister. And I'm Chad Lutsky. And you're listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast, part of the Project Entertainment Network. We're the podcast where a seasoned horror veteran holds the white-knuckled hand of a horror newbie as they explore the genre together, film by film. It's good to see you, Chad. It's good to see you too, man. And it's yeah. good to see our guest. We have yes. a special guest tonight, author Todd Kiesling. He's written uh, a, a handful of books, some which include The Final Reconciliation, The Smile Factory, Scan Lines, and most recently, Devil's Creek, which is probably going to be his, uh, maybe as of right now, maybe your swan song, would you say, Todd? Do you think this is going to be the one that, that is getting the most attention right now, probably? Uh, it's definitely the one getting the most attention, but... Believe it or not, Scanlines has also uh, had a you know couple couple of moments over the last several months. Um, yeah, Devil's Creek was probably the the biggie for the year for me. So that's cool. Well, dude, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Oh, yeah, thanks man. for having yeah. me, guys. Yeah, <laughs> talking horror and books and and whatever else. Um, yeah, Devil's Creek. Uh, I and I talked to you about this before. I think you sent me. Like early copy, I got like the collector's edition. Double. <laughs> um, you sent me, you sent me the the book. Gosh, what was it like? May was it May two thousand nineteen or was it that early that you uh, had that? I may have sent you like the digital version. Like no, it was, hard, it, it was a it was a hard copy. Yeah, uh, yeah, it would have been May twenty nineteen. Yeah. Uh, I had some private. Well, I had some arcs printed privately before we found a publisher just so I could get a head start on getting uh, blurbs and, and uh-huh. start building some buzz about it. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, again, apologize that it took so long. I'm, I'm thankful that, that hopefully you've been able to use, to use the blurb, but yeah, I, I sat on that thing for, I got it in the mail. I was like, oh, cool. And then I, I saw how long it was like, oh, man. It's totally fine. I mean, I know a lot of the reviewers who got got it early from Silver Shamrock. They waited a while because they found the, the page count intimidating. It's like a 400 page yeah. book. And, yeah. you know, I don't know. I grew up in the, you know, the day when you know, having like a doorstop novel from Coons sure. or King was like something to cherish. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 We definitely live in a, uh, that, you know, it's weird. I, it, I, it, the fact that I write shorter fiction, like novellas has been kind of a blessing and a curse. Um, I've tried to figure out why it is that, that, um, that I do it. But the blessing part of it is the fact that I've found that, um, not because of who I am, but because of how small they are, they they end up getting higher up on the the TBR, and um, often, and I, I'm assuming that having a bigger book sometimes, yeah, it's like, oh man, this is daunting. I just wanted to sit down for just a an hour or two or something like that. But it's a great book, and it's thank very you. well written. Thank and you. Thank you for sending me a copy. Um, I'm glad to see that that you found a, a publisher and that uh, Shamrock has been doing a great job from, from this angle at uh, promoting because uh, they were Definitely. promoting it far. I mean, months ahead of time. And so that by the time it came out, people were pretty excited about it. Yeah. I'm pretty fortunate uh, with silver Shamrock because I know some indie publishers out there don't really have the, the infrastructure or the means to really promote a book physically yeah. in advance yeah. and uh i've got nothing bad to say about ken uh he yeah. was championing <laughs> championing this book from the get-go and i'm very grateful to him for taking it on because we had a lot of publishers pass because of that word count mm-hmm. and that's one thing where i really i was passionate about it and saying okay you know 
the word count is justified because of X, Y, and Z reasons. And, you know, some of the larger publishers were just looking at, you know, they were just looking at their Excel spreadsheet showing them how well books in this, you know, this uh, word count perform mm. versus a book that's like half the size and the cost involved and everything. And when we started talking to, to Ken and Silver Shamrock, it just seemed like, you know, the perfect match because he mm -hmm. got where I was coming from with it. He got the, the inspirations behind it. And he also has no issue with large epic horror novels. Mm -hmm. And I figured, okay, I probably got one of these in, you know, in me for my writing career. Well, let's do this and get this out of the way now because God knows I'm not going to be, <laughs> I'm not going to be feeling it 30 years from now. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. hilarious. Like you're like, you're like, I've got one. <laughs> it's going to happen guys. <laughs> and when you say, when you say Ken, you, and you're saying Shamrock, like what, what is Ken's last name? I mean, oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. Uh, Ken McKinley. Okay. Uh, because yeah. I kept, I couldn't help it, man. Every time you would say Ken with silver Shamrock, I'm thinking Ken Shamrock, the UFC fighter. And I'm like, did he get out of that and into like book stuff? <laughs> and you're like, he's really hardcore about, you know, horror stories and novels. And I'm like, I never imagined, you know? Wow. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, and I thinking mean, about it. Go ahead. Chan, go ahead. I, I was, uh, Ken, uh, approached me, uh, this, it was at least a year ago and he was talking about starting silver shamrock. Um, I can't remember how long ago it was, it was a while ago. And he said, you, you have anything that you want to send me or anything like that? I want to, um, start out with, you know, uh, these authors and stuff like that. And I didn't have anything, but, and I also, even if I did, I wasn't about to just, I mean, we see small presses crumble all the time and I didn't know, you know, I, and I was already kind of involved with a press that I, I regretted a little bit and wasn't very impressed. So it, it, it the point, you know, I may, I make more money self-publishing than I do through uh, um, a small press. And yeah. so there are very few uh, now that, that I would even want to handle my, my book, I guess, because I don't see anything that they're doing that I can't do on my own. And that's, that's the attitude of, of not every self-publisher. Um, but a lot of the ones that have the hours in to learn how to do everything yourself, like yourself, dude, you, you format, you do, uh, you, I don't know if you've done your covers, but you can do covers. Uh, yeah, I, I've done the covers for final reconciliation, uh, scan lines, the smile factory and devil's Creek. Um, okay. With devil's Creek specifically, that was strictly design. Uh, Greg Chapman did the artwork it's based on. I, mm -hmm. I always give him props because he nailed that. <laughs> he nailed mm -hmm. it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you can do your own uh, covers and then you can format, um, it needs to, you need to, it needs to be a press that can do far more, then you know reach more people unless it's just a bucket list thing and you're just like i've always wanted to be you know published by this press or whatever <clears throat> so i'll go with them but when ken was talking to me um i we talked for two hours that night and i said well what is, what is your plan and <clears throat> i found out that you know i picked his brain uh, about everything uh, and and i said when i found out that because a, a concern of mine too was that I've seen publishers who um, they start out with good intentions and then they end up using royalties to pay their own bills and then they pay their royalties late. And that doesn't seem like that's ever going to happen with Ken because this isn't, uh, he's got a good, a good job, you know, and he yeah. has people working under him. And so hearing that, that this was never going to be his like plan B or his like fallback thing. I was like, okay, I might be uh, on board. And then, um, yeah. So I've been in a couple of the anthologies and I think you have been in at least one, maybe, maybe both of the anthologies. I... Uh, yeah. I've got, I had a story in midnight in the graveyard okay. and I've got a story coming up in midnight right. in the pentagram. Yeah. Same here. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I hadn't, I hadn't read Midnight in the Graveyard, so I, I didn't remember. It's the fun. only, the only author I remember in there is of course McCammon. So. Of course. <laughs> I, I remember when Ken was, he was stoked about that. He yeah. was so excited to announce yeah. that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, my, my cat, my cat jumps on my desk and puts his butt in the camera. What kind yeah, of cat do you have, man? Uh, this guy, everyone, he is a uh, wow. Norwegian forest cat. Uh, he was a rescue, and we figured out his breed. And he's a sweet boy, but he's also extremely energetic. Is it, are those like the are those in a similar family with the Maine Coon? I think so. Yeah. Uh, is it is he big? We no. That's the thing. I think he was the runt of the litter. He's yeah. actually tiny. Like we thought he was a Maine Coon. Yeah. When yeah. he was a kitten. And um, we were doing some research and discovered that Norwegian forest cats were a thing. They were actually like yeah. uh, domesticated by the Vikings. That's dope. <laughs> That's dope, man. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, a Viking cat. Yeah, we have uh, we have one we thought was a Maine Coon. Um, just you know the the fur that he had, how you know it was super tiny though, and we found it in the hood of a van. It, I was hearing this meowing. We're in a parking lot. And I'm hearing this meowing and I'm thinking it's up in the tree, you know, but it's, it's super young. And, uh, and I'm looking up in the tree and I keep having to back up because of the noise is the, the meowing is behind me. So I'm like backing up to the edge of these branches. And I'm like, there's no way that there, I mean, that's like, you know, <laughs> crouching tiger, hidden dragon magic stuff <laughs> in the end of trees. You know, I'm like, there's no way this cat is out there. And then I heard meow, like this and I looked down and there's a minivan and I'm like, that bugger is in the engine area. It took like a half an hour in a golf club to get that bugger out. Finally did. And uh, his name is Rupert Francis and he's just his hair, super bushy cat, you know, and I, that's when I learned about Maine Coons. And I, and I didn't know either about tabby cats in the M shape right above their nose and stuff. I had no idea. I just, you know, and I, I thought, man, that makes sense. It's a weird pattern that so many of my cats have had, you know, like why do they all have an M above their nose, you know? And so, but I learned about that and he's pretty big, but he's not gigantic. He's larger. He's, he's a large cat though. And the thing is, is that I was like, man, he kind of looks like a Maine Coon. And then we were, we were driving by that same area and there's, there is, there is a Maine Coon walking around free just walking around the area and I'm like, well, I know who the daddy is. <laughs> I, I, so I know at least that I'm, I don't know it, but you know, so yeah. I know. think you mean to say that he's strutting around. Yeah. Know? He's strutting around. Yeah. <laughs> he's got staying alive, bumping in his head, you know, of course. yeah. I was going to say the viewers, they can't, you know, well, the listeners, cause people can watch this on YouTube, but your, your little studio there, man is dope. I just got to say this. I, I've seen it with in a video where all the lights were on. And I like that effect, you know, with a long room. I have a couple of friends that have studios like that, where it's a long room, kind of a narrower. And you might be, you know, at the far end of the room, you know, or the far ends way behind you. And it kind of gives a cool image to it and stuff. You got these cool lights, man. They look like Christmas lights. Or Thanks, man. Uh, I got them from Spirit of Halloween. I had to, you know, make this a Halloween office, not not just a regular office yeah. got to get in the spirit somehow, especially when I spend most of my time in this room. So, you know, I try to get a nice, uh, nice, you know, ambient glow going. And, uh, this is where I sit and this is where the magic happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of Halloween, <clears throat> let me segue into, uh, what we've been doing this week and stuff. Uh, it's, it's, uh, for anybody into horror the whole month is halloween basically and you know it just gives us another excuse to really celebrate uh reading and watching horror and just getting that that horror you know like todd's got his halloween lights out and stuff and and uh i i committed to the 31 days of terror where i watch a horror movie every day nice and which isn't something i usually do i don't even watch a movie every day but um i usually do wind down at the end of the day with watching a series you know like uh even something that's i've already seen two or three times before like the office or kirby enthusiasm or whatever so just <laughs> yeah. crap to wind down and uh so 31 days of terror <clears throat> i started um because i was prompted by uh monster men jack campisi and, and hunter shea mm -hmm. and they're doing that so 
I compiled a list of movies that either I have never seen, which is about 90%, 95% of the uh, movies on my list, or ones that I haven't seen in at least 30, 35 years, like The Howling. I just saw, I hadn't seen it since like 83, <clears throat> 84. So wow. the, uh, um, but it's funny because, you know, Final Guys, Hunter and Jack's other podcast uh, with, with Tim Meyer and, and uh, <clears throat> Jason Brandt, uh, I watched that. Uh, a lot i just kind of discovered it recently and so i've watched back episodes and i show up tuesday nights and i listen to them live and i partake in conversation stuff and i talked jason into he he does this thing where he punishes himself and he watches uh a series of an entire series of movies like children of the corn i think there's like seven eight nine or something like that oh wow so he'll he'll watch like two a week and then you know and then Uh, they talk about him you know and stuff and uh I kept, uh, I was like, dude, do Amityville Horror. Because I knew there was a ton of them. Oh, there's, and, there's and so many. How, of many how many are there? Well, uh, there's there's only so many that like actually take place in the house that have to do with the house. Yeah. And there's there's like, I don't know, like 28 or 30 that have the, the word Amityville Horror <laughs> or, Am, or Amityville in the title. But yeah. there's But there's like a, officially or whatever that have to kind of more to do with the house and in an actual haunting uh there's like i think 12 or 13 so oh my I talk, god i wow. talked them into it and i said that i'd do it <laughs> so, i'm shocked like i didn't realize there were that many i thought hellraiser had the uh you know the like the largest and i didn't know that hellraiser even had that I think oh like my god uh so i got a story about that a buddy of mine that i went to school with uh, he still lives in Kentucky, but uh, this is years ago. Back when Netflix on like the Xbox had the party ability where you could watch, like you and a party of friends could watch the same movie at the same time. I think they recently brought that back with the Netflix apps and stuff. Um, we watched all of the Hellraiser films. Like it was like two a night over the course of a week. And that was the worst week of my life. Yeah. <laughs> i mean right. don't get me wrong hellraiser one and two are and classics two. that's about it yeah three is all right four i i can't stand that film uh and the rest aren't really hellraiser movies they're just you know a studio's poor attempt at keeping the rights so they just like threw doug bradley into it for two minutes and then hey we'll call it a hellraiser movie yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of like home alone right i mean yeah you know, Home Alone one and two, you can stomach. Home Alone three, you're like, what's up with this? And now at like Home Alone thirteen, you're like, come on, these people <laughs> call CPS. <laughs> like, yeah. These people are dropping and forgetting their kid constantly. <laughs> yeah. uh, they I'd obviously see, hate that child. <laughs> I'd love to see a Home Alone now, but starring Macaulay, you know, Macaulay Culkin now, and he's wow. just, you yeah. know, yeah, and he's just like an agoraphobic, messed up kid. <laughs> 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 Or he's yeah, in a band that like only sings songs about pizza. No, oh, would that be? And funny? then you're like, oh wait a second, that's, that's for real. Yeah, yeah. yeah that so I, so I've been watching the Amityville horror movies, and I've always enjoyed the first one. I know it's a bad movie, but I grew. I was like, I think nine when it came out, and around that time, and I know I've talked about this before in the podcast, but at that time, it was it was such a good time to be alive for a horror kid because it was real. You know, nobody was really questioning it. There, mm-hmm. It wasn't proven as a hoax or anything, but the, the Lutzes, they were going on talk shows. They were like household names and the book came out and it just like, it was kind of like when Blair Witch happened. It was like yeah. kind almost the first, it was the first big found footage movie and the way they marketed it was real. It used un- unknown actors. Um, they had that that fake documentary curse of the Blair witch that came out before. So there was all of this hype and it was just genius. The marketing was genius, man. So, the Blair witch. It, I that's, I look back at that point in my life. You know, I was a teenager when that came out and uh, my dad and I were in Tennessee. We were down in Knoxville for some, he had some kind of business thing and I, I tagged along with him because, you know, we would go to the mall and stuff. And we knew nothing about it. Like I, I had seen commercials, he had seen commercials, but we all we went into it thinking it was a documentary. 
Yeah. And yeah. I remember like that's probably one of the only times in my life where I went to see a horror film and actually felt scared. Yeah. It's a scary but, movie, man. Yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, obviously you you see it now it's after having seen it a million times, you know the tricks and everything, but yeah. You know, my dad was freaked out. My dad's not a horror guy at all. It freaked him out. Um, and just everything about that, you know, the mark, like you said, the marketing, the websites, the book that came out um, that had like the pictures of like the guy's car that was abandoned. They found, you know, they mm -hmm. went searching for them. It was brilliant. Yeah. And I didn't even know that it wasn't. I mean, I wondered for a second. But I didn't know for sure if it was real or not until Chad talked to me about it. And he was telling me, you know, the tricks and like what they did. And I guess the girl from the film was at a convention and was kind of explaining some things. And Chad explained it to me. It was a great weight off my chest because I was like, man, this is absolutely terrifying. And the weed yeah. didn't help. You know what I mean? Like, oh, of course not. A lot of weed that night. But, it, you know, definitely terrified out of my mind. And it was genius. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And and I feel bad for the people who were, you know, it's 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 uh one of these movies where if you miss one 30 second spot, not even that, maybe 10 second spot in the movie, you're not gonna understand the end. And it in in you know, with the whole like puts them in the corner thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and that's not a really that's actually a part of the film where you could be, you know, checking your watch, your phone or, you know, whatever, and maybe not paying attention. So I, I always kind of I, when the movie came out, I could tell it was like you didn't pay attention during the like interview parts, did you? So like, oh, it's kind of boring. I was like, well, no wonder you, you had no yeah. idea what's going yeah. on or why you're because that ending is perfect. It really is. Yes. Or somebody had to go use the bathroom because they ate too many Rollos. Right? Uh -huh, you know right. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, some some of that movie candy. You guys mentioned mm -hmm. though, Amityville and Hellraiser. I've never, I haven't seen either of those. I have the book for Amityville, but yeah. I've never read it. Okay. Um, and but I've never, I've never seen either one. I'm the, I'm the white knuckled newbie, by the way. Okay. If it's not like super obvious, if someone's tuning in, they're like, so who's the white knuckled newbie that doesn't know jack about horror? Oh, that's me. Um, and so. Yeah, I've ne I've never seen either. I saw a part. Well, I saw like three minutes of Hellraiser in the theater because you know you, you go in and you pass all these different different theaters that are playing different movies. And I remember mine wasn't starting for like another twenty minutes, and so I snuck in that <laughs> snuck in there and I was watching and I didn't last very long. I had to get out of there very quickly <laughs> with great with great haste because <laughs> I was just so terrified. I'm like, oh no, get me out of here. And so, but. I think I think they're on the list. Maybe, maybe not, Chad. I don't. You would know, know, Chad. You've got the master key to this list. I don't man. know. I mean, I like those movies. Um, for me, I I loved them at the time. For me, there are some bits, particularly toward the end, that don't hold up very well. There's a lot of weird uh, computer graphic uh, explosion type laser stuff that is kind of cheesy at the end. But uh, well, have you read Have you read the book? Yeah, I read okay. the book. Yeah, but I and I and I think I I don't remember enjoying the book uh, very much. Um, I mean, I liked it, but I have a hard time if uh, if I see a movie first and then I and then I read the book, mm -hmm. like The Shining. Like I prefer Kubrick's movie over uh, Stephen King's book, um, and I don't know if that has to do with you know I didn't read The Shining. I I saw The Shining when you know in the eighties, didn't read the. Uh, the Shining until maybe late 90s, mid to late 90s or something like that. And by that time, I had already seen The Shining who knows how many times. And I had all this, some of my favorite imagery in a film ever ingrained in my head. So it was, um, I guess I was maybe a little biased. I know that it's a good book and I know that I'm in the minority when it comes to choosing one or the other. But yeah, uh, I'm actually with you. Oh yeah, yeah. I there are aspects of the book I like over the movie, and there are aspects of the movie I like over the book. Like I don't mm -hmm. think either one is a is a is perfect. Yeah, uh, and I that's actually that's the story of how uh, Glenn Rolfe and I became friends because I wrote something for horror novel reviews back in the day about The Shining and how Stephen King isn't infallible, 
and, you know, giving my opinions on it. And of course, Matt Mulgard, you know, rest in peace, yeah. uh, you know, sensationalized the hell out of it just so it would get, you know, clicks. <laughs> and Glenn Roth was one of the yeah. guys who commented tearing, you know, tearing into me. I'm like, man, it's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cancel this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cancel Todd. Canceling with a thing. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. is it is con- controversial to um I mean I get hate if I bring up uh something like yeah. Some people are like they're with me. Like uh, the final guys, all those dudes, well Jack, Hunter, and Jason all love Kubrick's The Shining. I think it's one of the best horror films ever made. And I think that they think it's um, superior to the book. However, Tim Meyer, he can't stand Kubrick's movie. And he thinks Mick Garris's piece of hot steaming garbage is superior. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how that. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, faithfulness to the book does not equal superiority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those hedge animals uh, that they tried to squeeze in there were, uh, did not help. <laughs> those were bad i would say the cgi of the hedge animals didn't help the concept was yeah. great yeah uh, you know but when you're when you're you know kubrick recognized that uh well we can't do this we don't have the technology to do this so we're going to have this cool maze that is going to be claustrophobic and it's perfect whereas you know we still didn't quite have the technology to pull that off at least they didn't for the budget and mick garris was like we're going to do it anyway because we're going to make everything exactly like the book, whether it works or not. Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the movie Blade. It was it was a Blade Two where they it was just just a little too early for the CG, mm-hmm. and so it ended up looking like you know Gumby, and so <laughs> you know, and you're like. <laughs> kind of lost that effect you know because he's so he's so badass and then all of a sudden it's just like you know ice skating and stuff yeah and thinking what is this <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't i don't think it was until evil dead 2 where where cgi really started to find its <laughs> just wow kidding. i i just saw that last night we'll get to that later but wow uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what of all the movies you've seen so far like what what would you say is like the worst one dude are there are are there any bad the ones or is it just an awesome the Langoliers? Steven, oh, Steven that's, the that's pretty terrible. Yeah. yeah, I love I love the concept of the Langoliers, but man, this yeah. the CG kills that movie. Yeah, yeah. What's really the one I was talking about recently, man? Chad, Sleepwalkers. That, Sleepwalkers. What did I say it was at first? I didn't say. Uh, yeah. I, I forget know, what dude. I called it. I was it was, it was crazy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> night, night stalkers, night stalkers, night stalkers, yeah. night stalkers, or something. Night yeah. 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 walkers. Yeah, it was <laughs> not, yeah, night stalkers. Yeah. And it's like you know, it's like what is it that movie you were talking about, Greasy Strangler or whatever? It's like, oh. you just imagine, you know, who's the night stalker guy? <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> but you know, that's kind of you know, it's one of those where you know, it's like it might be a cool idea, but. Uh, you know, with the exception, of course, of like mommy and son kind of doing the thing thing. <laughs> like that was a little weird. But uh, the the graphics, you know. Yeah. I don't know, man. And now looking yeah. back, even watching Lawnmower Man now, you know, oh. like you watch it and it's like, oh, dude, he's in virtual reality and you watch it like, <laughs> like the it's like the virtual reality that they had uh, oh. back when Weird Al did UHF like and Beverly Hillbilly song and just yeah. really not impressive at all early 90s concept of what you know virtual reality might look like and yeah. they got it way wrong <laughs> yeah, and, yeah that was horrible oh uh, that movie's awful uh, it all it has in common is the title and a guy with a lawnmower <laughs> yeah <laughs> very early yeah. on that's so weird that, that yeah that it's even called lawnmower man i know see i, I know that I, story it's way I different remember. guys i like the yeah. movie is way different from the book. Isn't Lawnmower Man more about some dude? Like he's isn't he mowing the grass with his face? Yeah, he's, he's like, like eating, eating the grass. Yeah. Like, yeah. It has nothing to do with yeah, virtual reality. No. Wow. None of that is in the story. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What did, what did King think about that? He had his name removed <laughs> from it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Oh. Okay. 
Yeah, I did. I think he's. I don't know if he sued them or not. I know he had his name removed. I mean, that's not that's not even like a small detail. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like oh, well, that's just kind of director discretion. You know, that's like way off in left field. Like I think I think I think the argument was is that they just stuck his name on it so it would sell. You know, so people would go see it. It was like a completely different movie. And it's yeah. like, hey, we get we bought the rights to this story like 20 years ago. Let's just slap Stephen King on it. You know, I'm actually okay with the concept, like of a guy, you know, with uh, mental disabilities that, you know, all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's a savant, you know, he's like mm-hmm. super genius because of all this stuff and getting interconnected into the matrix of the universe. Like, I think it's kind of a cool idea. But at the same time, I mean, if you if you take a thing where a guy's mowing the yard with his face and you transform it into that movie, it's, yeah. it's another level, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of cocaine in that uh, studio. You know, <laughs> yeah. A lot of cocaine. Yeah. Oh, that is so terrible. <laughs> that is so terrible. <laughs> so, Jeremiah, what have you been reading and watching this week? Uh, well, I've been, I've been doing a lot of reading, you know, for kind of like online reading. And it's mm-hmm. unfortunate, but... I, bro- I finally broke out that book, um, A Monster Calls, because mm-hmm. it, thematically and stylistically, there's a lot of similarities w- that I could gather, at least if, if I've heard that the movie follows along very well, very closely with the book. That's mm-hmm. what I've heard anyway. And I loved the movie and the book I'm writing. It's got kind of similar themes of tragedy and overcoming, right. you know, the loss of a family member. So I figured I'll go ahead and read it. And man, I, I, I got through... Pfft, hardly anything and i'm bawling man i'm sitting there you know taking a dump reading a book <laughs> I, I i decided i'm gonna stop taking in the cell phone man i don't know if somebody's recording watching so i'm like i'm just gonna you know nobody's recording me with the book and so i'm like i'm gonna go ahead and just bring my book in there and i'm just like bawling and i said this is a terrible thing why does weird stuff happen when i go to the bathroom but I was just weeping in there by myself, man. Very sad. Um, which that's like an extra bummer for reasons I won't go into. I, you know, it's one of those things. But like the, uh, so I've been reading it though and really enjoying it and liking the art. Um, and I broke, been doing that carnivore challenge, you know. And I know a lot of people, you know, they might, it might really rile them up and they say, you're, you're just eating meat. And I say, no, I mean, that's crazy. I'm eating eggs and cheese too. But Did you eat the cake, dude. I did eat the cake. I, I did. knew it. I knew you were gonna. I did. It. I ate the cake, dude. I my son had his birthday last month, and I'm watching. Everybody's eating pizza, and there's Doritos and all this stuff, and I'm just like looking at everybody with sad puppy eyes, you know, like what's this? And I'm eating some pork slab or something, and which is delicious, of course. I don't want to complain about that, but I put that cake, and they were gonna throw away the cake. They're like, oh well, or the kids are like, oh yeah, well I can eat it tomorrow and the next day. I said, no, you will not. And so I put that cake in the freezer and apparently I'd also, I didn't re- even barely remember this, uh, but I, I had put these cookies in the freezer. They were, they were like these kind of sugar cookies with like this icing in the middle. It was just a huge mound of icing between the cookies, man. And I, it just looked delicious as sprinkles and stuff. So I put oh. them things in the fridge and they were in there for like three weeks, dude. And I finally, I said, it's been over a month. I am doing this. And the thing is, man, I, I ate the cookie and I only ate like half the cake. It was delicious, but I just, I didn't have a stomach for it, man. And I went the next day I was back on track with, with doing the, the carnivore thing. Cause I'm really enjoying it. Lost a lot of weight. So I did, I ate the cake, right? It was delicious while it was pl- wonderful while it lasted. And I shared the rest of it with the kids. I let them have the rest and my wife, of course. And then the, really the only other thing I've been doing, uh, I've been thinking about doing like, streaming maybe once a week or something for members of my website and stuff to do like a a streaming video game but i didn't want to do you know everybody's like oh you should play this game or that game and they're all kind of the newer ones that all the big name people are doing which there's there is you know a draw to that but i thought what if i what if i played games like wolf 3d like i don't know if you guys remember that of course you know yeah wolf 3d or doom I went on yesterday, I, I went on, I found a, a place online, this retro video game place where you can play tons of Atari and Nintendo games and stuff like that, Sega, original Sega. And so I'm on there and my son's like, play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. So we were playing that and I thought that'd be a lot of fun, man, to sit there and just, you know, jabber jaw while I'm doing that. And so I played video games and stuff. 
And the last thing, this is it's something I watched, okay? Because other than the movie we're going to talk about, uh, I watched um, something that really shook me to the core, dude. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything grosser, more horrifying and offensive as mukbang. And I don't know if you guys know what the crap that is, but that is people eating large amounts of food, staring into a camera with the mic by their neck, cranked up as loud as you can get hearing that and they're just like shoving food into their mouths and it's got just you know ranch dressing all over their chin and stuff it dude is nasty and i but it was it was it's like um it's like a it's like a car accident you know you drive by that and you can't help but to look kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know and it's it's like the same thing and next thing i know it's like four hours later i've seen about 30 different mukbang videos i'm sick to my stomach and I'm like, I got to get off of this. I don't know what's happening to me. Uh, but I thought maybe, you know, that might be something to do too. Uh, you know, eat some food and talk at a camera. And But I saw it. And, and you guys, if you haven't seen Mukbang, Nikocado Avocado. Just that's all you got. Nikocado, Nikocado Avocado. That cat is nuts. And the whole thing is insane. But it's just, it's nasty, dude. It's food everywhere, all over the face. And really intense, and people people love it. They watch it millions and millions. And I guess it started in South Korea because people were lonely, and they and they would say like people would be able to eat lonely in diets. So like if you're lonely and you're eating by yourself, you just turn on YouTube and there's somebody eating, and you just eat with them. And then they had people like uh, diets. If you're on a restrictive diet and you're kind of like, man, I'm kind of craving that that people would actually watch that and just at least be able to see that, you know, there are people who can still enjoy things in life. That's uh, weird. That, that's like, that's like, it's kind of like the, the uh, it's almost like a, um, the, uh, the logic behind pornography. It's like, I can't get laid. So I'm going to watch somebody else get laid. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that what you're saying? Like, I'm going, it, I'm on yeah, diet, I can't I can do have, it. Yeah. I'm going to watch somebody else enjoy what I, I mean, can't have. The first thing that comes to mind when I, when I you're, you're talking about this is that ASMR stuff where yeah. people will do yeah. make sounds in like the specialized microphone and I don't understand that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you know it might have been something innocent and originally, but if it's millions of you know millions of views, I'm sure that there are some people out there who just have a weird fetish about it and are you know yeah. watching oh, yeah. it for four oh, yeah. hours. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm telling you. Well, yeah, it's easy. I know, man. I'm telling you. I It's true. It was like, and it was late at night. I, I didn't even know how I stumbled on it. I think I saw a meme or, or something that was, you know, kind of poking shots at this and stuff. And I'm like, what the heck is that? So I just looked it up. You know, I, I, I looked up something like really overweight guy that cries when he eats. I, that's all I looked up on YouTube. And there he is. I'm like, oh, that's the guy right there. Like enough people must look that up. And so I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, he's got tons of these videos, people making reaction videos to his stuff. And, uh, but just the sound. And that's what I can't deal with, man. I can't even deal with it if I'm in a room and somebody's eating and it's really like, even if their mouth is shut, if I'm hearing them swallow, I'm just kind of like, I'll slowly, very slowly kind of slither away from them, like imperceptible movements to get away. Just at, just out of the earshots. I can't. It, it's too much. I gag. And so, but I'm watching this, which was a weird experience, man, to watch something that's making you sick to your stomach and making you like, ooh, 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 and you're like wanting to gag. And then you're like, oh, is there another one? Oh my gosh. And you just keep going and you're like, what am I doing to myself? So mukbang. Yeah. Just really, it's a terrible thing. That's, that's my horror so far this week, other than the movie. Yeah. Wow. So what, what about, about yourself, you? Ted? Uh, I can't compete with mukbang or whatever. Uh, so what was the question? I'm sorry. I'm so disgusted. What have I been? Uh, let's see. I finished up reading Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones. Um, I started reading I'm two chapters into S.A. Cosby's uh, Blacktop Wasteland. I needed a palate cleanser. That looks so I'm reading. Yeah. Like Sean's a hell of a writer. It, it It's... um amazing so far like it sucked me in immediately i sat down expecting to read just like a couple of pages before bed and it's like Mm -hmm. i'm like 50 pages into it and you know (laughs) i can't put it down uh before that i I finally got around to reading uh, the bone weaver's orchard by sarah reed another good one 
Um, I movie wise, I watched uh, From Beyond for the first time in like years. What a treat! Oh, for the yeah. first years. Okay. Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, last time I saw that, I was a kid. Uh, really liked it. I think I liked it more than Reanimator, to be honest. I think I. I haven't seen uh, From Beyond since probably 86 or whenever it came out, uh, but I think I liked it more, too. But yeah. I really liked Reanimator, too. I mean, what is that? What For, for those of our listeners <laughs> who wouldn't know, <laughs> what okay. is that? So yeah. Reanimator <laughs> yeah. and From Beyond are two films by Stuart Gordon. Uh, he was really into... Uh, adapting stories by H.P. Lovecraft. So Reanimator is an adaptation of Herbert West Reanimator uh, about a guy who develops a serum that can bring the dead back to life. Mm. Uh, From Beyond is uh, also an uh, adaptation of the story of the same title about a scientist who makes this machine that is like a giant tuning fork and it stimulates the pineal gland in your brain to make you perceive other realities around us. Uh, that the the story is far less gruesome than the film adaptation. Stuart Gordon goes way over the top of the gore and stuff. Uh, Reanimator's got more of like a comedic element to it. Yes, yeah, very tongue in cheek. Uh, you know, from beyond, it's a bit more. They play it a bit more straight. It's you know more serious horror film. When did these uh, come out? Like, uh, are they more 80s. recent? Or they, no, oh, 80s. 80s. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to ask, like, from beyond, like, has it got, like, you know, a bunch of psychedelic kind of scenes and stuff? Mm. They belong They belong to, like, the body horror subgenre. Uh, I was saying, you know, the pineal stuff. gland and all that. Like, I didn't know, like, what kind of scenes they would have to, to demonstrate, like, that that's happened. Uh, well, they have, like, a, the a literal the pineal gland sticking out of the dude's forehead. Yeah, it, like, pops really? out of the dude's head. It's like this worm <laughs> oh, okay. is, like, looking around. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like the adrenochrome stuff from like Fear and Loathing, you know, where you're seeing lizard monsters and stuff. No, and, okay. no. I wasn't. Yeah. They did like the weird, uh, I don't even know what you would call it. Like they're inverting the colors on the camera screen, kind of like how yeah. they did uh, in Predator. Yeah. When, like looking, that's kind of like that to give you the impression that you're seeing what he's seeing with his advanced pineal worm gland sticking out of his skull. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I say pineal gland? What did I say? No, you said pineal gland. I said pineal gland. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, yeah. I, I was like, when you said that, I was like, did I say pineal gland? Or <laughs> yeah. I had my adrenochrome moment. <laughs> uh, so, besides that, I've, I've been, you know, I've been playing a couple of games myself. Uh, I got back into playing Alien Isolation on my PC. Game is amazing. It's the only, I would say it's probably the only good alien game. Uh it's like you play as Ripley's daughter, and they nailed like the whole aesthetic from the first film. It's like a, a sequel to a direct sequel to the first film, you know, for you know, because the second one takes place like 50 years later because she's been floating in hyperspace or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, this is like her daughter's grown up, the Nostromo's missing, it's been this big mystery. And they get this uh, Wayland Yutani, you know, gets a call from some far out uh, space station that they found the Nostromo's flight recorder. So they get her daughter to go back with them to this, you know, this uh, station and things are all going wrong and stuff. And of course, there's an alien involved. So it's fantastic. Uh, it's scary as hell because the alien is completely randomized. and it will kill you on site. You can't defend yourself against it. Whenever I think of an alien game, man, I always think of like Contra. You know what I'm saying? I know that's old school. It's like not, you can't really compare them to like modern gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Contra. And uh, man, I had another one in mind too. Oh, Doom. Uh You know, so that that would classify. Yeah. I I wasn't sure. I was like, would that classify as like, I guess it would be kind of a demon game, but it's also, I mean, it's, they got like, Weird tech and stuff, man. It, you know, Doom is specifically demons from hell. It's yeah. demons from hell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hell's an interesting looking place in Doom. I I never I never thought because it, it has it looks like it could be like space stuff. You know, like sci-fi. It's got the yeah. the kind of glowing lights where you can find your armor and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they uh, this you know in this episode we'll find out how much of a video game nerd Todd is. 
Um, in the new, the newer Doom games, they actually flesh out the story of you know the the gateways to hell and everything, and like why, because it takes place like two hundred years in the future. So we were like harnessing some kind of energy from hell, and you, the Doom guy, they call him the Doom Slayer, and it's like the whole thing. He's like this nonstop murdering machine. And they say, like, the only thing they fear is you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't fear me, though, because I'm I'm the guy that's, like, so terrified playing that game. I can't do it with all the lights off. I've tried, man. I I start sweating profusely. Dude, the original. Dude, I play Wolfenstein, and I hear oom-ba-pa. If I'm in in a room... By myself in the dark, dude, I'm like biting nails, like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and making that noise when you go against the wall to find a secret space where it's like doing that just because it kind of alleviates the tension of that moment. You're, you know, if I may be so bold, man, you're playing Doom all wrong. Okay. You got to crank up some 80s hair metal or Slayer or something while you're playing Doom. You need some form yeah. of heavy heavy metal playing while you're killing demons from hell. Yeah, that, that makes sense, dude. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. You know, yeah, you're like, be less afraid and you're more just running on adrenaline and want to, you know, rip the limbs off of everything. It's pretty Yeah, awesome. it's like if if it were it has the effect of like stars on Mario, you know, that it just doesn't stop. It's just a constant star effect. I'm super awesome right now. Boom 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 boom. And so I can imagine that, you know, yeah. I, yeah, it's a, it's a way to do it. You know, have, but, you, have you played, is it the rest of us? The what last of us. The last of us. Have you played that? I have. What do you think uh, of that? I've played both the games. I think they are uh, masterpieces. Um, yeah. Narrative wise, the stories in those games will rip your heart out. Like some of the stuff that happens to these characters, like they actually do this amazing job of getting you to care about these virtual characters. Uh, the second game, especially, oh my God. <laughs> what did you feel? I, I don't know too much about the game. Obviously I didn't, I didn't even know the, the title necessarily. I was on track though. Right. Yeah. But yeah. the, the, the um, how did you feel having played both of them? Cause I've heard, I have friends that play. Um, how'd you feel about the, uh, you had to play you're many gonna, hours. You're gonna want to put a spoiler alert warning on this because people will tear you a new one. For that. Has it? But yeah. it's been around long enough, man. There's been enough viral videos of uh, people talking about it. The second right? game only came out over the yeah. summer. We're gonna have to take that part out though, Chad, because dude, I, I don't want people coming to me like Scientologists going after those people that reveal the master secret. <laughs> people are gonna be like, "What? You ruined it for me, Jeremiah." You mean I spent a million dollars to find out that we've been worshiping an alien? Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers, Scientology. Yeah. In a cult. Wake up. Wake up. Yeah, man. They're yeah, stealing no. your money. They don't pay taxes. Yeah. That game you're talking about kind of reminds me of this one that I played a year or two ago, and I can't remember. I think it was called like This War of Mine or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I. I played that briefly i that was depressing really man it. yeah it was de- it's depressing because you have to uh, you know it's post-apocalyptic everybody's starving trying to survive and uh you're um you got to make tough decisions you know sometimes people show up at your house and they're like please i'm starving can you spare anything and what? you know and then you you go out to hunt for food and you end up like at some old couple's house and they're like, please don't. And you're like robbing them. And they're like, please, my husband is dying. He's sick. He needs to eat. And you're like, you're taking the food. And it's like, oh, wow. I mean, you can decide what you're going to do, but you're also dying too. Yeah. And you have other people in your house to feed. I don't it's like a like major that. experiment of social psychology, you know? Really? Yeah. It really yeah, is. Isn't it? Right? Yeah. I, I don't yeah. care for games like that because I, I kind of go to them as an escape. And, yeah. you know, it's like stuff like that is like, you know, we're two or three bad weeks of that transpiring. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we're getting too close. <laughs> getting a little too close for that. Yeah, yeah man. Oh, that's yeah, hilarious. That's why I, I thought too, right in, I think it was at the at the end of February, beginning of March, I made a prediction that, that well, it wasn't so much a prediction. I had I had a theory that either... Um, a ton of authors were going to immediately start writing a post-apocalyptic stuff, but 
that none of it would sell. Yep. Because nobody would want to read that. And <laughs> none of us knew how long this was going to last. Thank God we didn't know at the time. Because you can imagine if you knew, you know, by the way, I know it's only a March, but this will still be going on in October. That would yeah. be a hard yeah, pill to swallow, yeah, yeah. man. So I'm thankful that this has been like a, a kind of a weaning process, you know, for us. But, um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, I thought, and as the months went on, I was like, yeah, definitely no one is going to be interested in, I mean, there are some people who are like, I'm hardcore. I'm going to watch, uh, uh, what was that movie people were watching for a while there that was on contagion. Uh, Yes, contagion. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna watch. Contagion, and then I'm gonna watch uh, another one. Stand, and yeah, then I'm gonna stand. watch one song, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I for one want to see the apocalyptic pizza stories. You know, that's a nod to to Max. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah speaking, you, you, you son you, of a bitch. And, and if you've got any. A post-apocalyptic or a pop- apocalyptic pizza stories. Max is looking for them. So Absolutely, send them to Max Booth the third. <laughs> he loves them. You know, uh, quick aside about Max. I when he uh, he posted his phone number on the last day of his job at the hotel, and I called him. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. As soon as he posted that, I'm like, I have to. I have to. <laughs> you know, like going back to the whole idea of like movies that would be representative of this or like books that people would write, it'd be like coming out with a book and saying, this is your Facebook newsfeed. <laughs> like, you know, people yeah. are seeing this kind of thing every day. They go on social media. This is your Twitter account, your Twitter timeline. <laughs> You're like, Oh, great. I got to see well, this more. <laughs> they call you know? it doom scrolling for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Chad. Yes. You ready to talk about this movie, brother? Absolutely, man. I'm Dude, it's going to be awesome, man. I was born for this. My whole life has been leading up to this very moment talking about this film. I I have some some cool stories to tell. Got some opinions that you guys do too. So, yeah, let's uh let's get into Evil Dead Two: Dead by Dawn. Groovy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 